Oh, once again, welcome everybody, the familiar faces. I see some faces I haven't seen in a while here, and some visitors as well. Welcome visitors. Welcome those listening online, wherever you are and whenever you are listening to this, may you be blessed. And I'd like to thank Chris for giving me a couple weeks off of some much needed just downtime. I was still here, but it was just downtime. Today, I'd like to talk a little bit about Israel and the land. It's been a couple weeks since I've been up here. The last time I was up here, we talked about the spiritual side of the uh, attacks on Israel and the people that support them. I'd like to back up a little bit before you really press into the apocalyptic sort of um, themes that are running through this, which we will get into in the coming weeks. But I really want to talk about Israel, the land of the people, and get a feeling for there is the body of Messiah, and then there is Israel, and these are two separate things. It is important for us to be able to share why it's important to support Israel, to our Christian family, friends, and coworkers, why it's important to them that they should support Israel. Now, many do. Many have reached out to us, visited us in the past coming weeks. They show solidarity and support. Um, but there's others who we know who are not so sure. Understandable. There are some who may feel a bit fuzzy on how Israel fits into their faith or maybe their religious worldview. Um, there are some that are just cautious, some questions and concerns. So some of the questions you'll hear are common ones. They would ask things like, well, don't all Jewish people, by and large, not believe in Yeshua? And are not the believers in Yeshua, right, this body of Messiah or the church, the new spiritual Israel? And then they may bring up uh, the secular aspect of it. They may ask, well, isn't the government secular and seemingly supportive of various biblical sins? These are some of the cautions that some people have. We should be able to help them through these things. The argument of a secular government is actually the easiest to negotiate. Israel has always had degrees of secular behavior going back for thousands of years. All you have to do is read the book of Judges or Samuels and Kings, and it will show a nation that was at times very righteous and was at times very wicked and very secular, but they never stopped being Israel. Israel, of course, was given blessing or rebuke based on their leadership, not based on the lowest common denominator of the behavior of their people. And so today, their leaders, Benjamin Netanyahu, and we support him. And so to whatever degree one thinks that they're secular, they're still Israel and their leader, as far as we're concerned, is the right man for a tough job. The trickier question is how to handle the spiritual Israel worldview in a constructive way, especially when you talk about the land or the people. This week's Torah portion records the death of Sarah in the beginning and Abraham at the end. It also records an important event that enshrines Jewish rights to the land. Let's 
open to Genesis chapter 23. Genesis chapter 23 is the very beginning of this week's portion. Parshat Harisara. I'm going to read just a little bit of Genesis chapter 23. Yes. Sarah passes away. Um, Verse 3 of 23 says this, Then Abraham rose from before his dead one and spoke to the sons of Heth, saying, I am an outsider and a sojourner among you. Give me a grave site among you so that I may bury my dead from before my presence. So the sons of Heth answered Abraham, saying to him, Listen to us, my Lord, you are a prince of God among us. Bury your dead in the best of our graves. None among us will withhold his grave from you to bury your dead one. It's very nice. Then Abraham got up and bowed down to the people of the land, to the sons of Heth, and spoke with them, saying, If you are of a mind to let me bury my dead from before my presence, listen to me. Plead with Ephron, the son of Zophar, on my behalf, that he may give me the cave of Machpelah that belongs to him that is at the end of his field. At the full price, let him give it to me in your midst for a gravesite. Now Ephron was sitting in the midst of the sons of Heth, and Ephron the Hittite answered Abraham in the ears of the sons of Heth, all those who enter the gate of his city, saying, No, my lord, listen to me. The field I hereby give it to you. Also the cave that is in it, I hereby give it to you in the eyes of the sons of my people. I hereby give it to you. Bury your dead one. Then Abraham bowed down before the people of the land and spoke to Ephraim in the ears of the people of the land, saying, But if only you would please listen to me, I hereby give the price of the field. Accept it from me that I may bury my dead one there. So Ephraim Answered Abraham, saying to him, My Lord, listen to me, a land is worth uh, a land worth four hundred shekels of silver. What is the difference? What is that difference between me and you? Bury your dead one. Abraham heard Ephron, so Abraham weighed out to Ephron the silver that he had spoken of in the ears of the sons of Heth, four hundred shekels of silver at the merchant's rate. Now Ephron's field that is in Machpelah, next to Mamre, the field and the cave that is in it, and all the trees that are in the field, and all its surrounding territory was handed over to Abraham as a purchased possession in the eyes of the sons of Heth before all those who entered the gate of the city. Afterward, Abraham buried his wife Sarah in the cave of the field of Machpelah next to Mamre, that is Hebron, in the land of Canaan, so the field and the cave that were in it were handed over to Abraham as a grave site from the sons of Heth. Very detailed accounting there of this transaction that is happening where Abraham buys land in the field. The Midrash has an interesting take on the selection of the land. The Midrash says that when Abraham went and selected the ox. Remember a few chapters ago, there is the three strangers, the angel of Adonai and his friends that come to Abraham, and Abraham goes to slaughter an ox to feed them. The Midrash 
it says that the ox took off and was running with Abraham pursuing it, and the ox led Abraham to the cave of Machpelah. Out of the cave comes great light. Abraham breathes in and smells the air of Eden. And then an angel comes out, and then a loud voice says, Behold, the body of Adam is buried here, and so will be the bodies of Abraham, Yitzchak, and Yaakov. And thus, Abraham realized that it was the entrance to the Garden of Eden was in the cave of Machpelah. Now, very creative. I'll give him that. But it goes on to talk about the significance of the purchase of the land and it being in so much detail here as a receipt, a divine receipt of sorts for us today. There are a couple other places um, where land was also purchased by the Jewish people, notably Joseph's burial place in Genesis 33, 19, and where David buys the temple grounds in 2 Samuel 24, 21. Another little interesting point, these places, they know where they are today, and they're hotly contested sites over in the land. The Muslims and the Jewish people, there are disagreements that have been going back between them to these biblical times. But scripture foresaw that and recorded these transactions for us in the Bible so that we know that it was given to Israel and they are the rightful owners. In a way, it is the land that is contested over in the Middle East, but here in the West, it is often the people that are contested. There are those that, some, I don't want to paint with a broad brush, that teach that Israel has been passed over in favor of uh, the believers in Yeshua or Jesus, and that the believers in Messiah, maybe the body of Messiah, or you could call it a church, that they are, are, are a new spiritual Israel. Now, often the logic comes from an overcooking of Romans chapter 2, right? One is not a Jew outwardly, but a Jew inwardly. So I guess if we're all Jews inwardly, then that makes us spiritual Israel inwardly somehow. And so that's how the logic of that progresses. And so all of the promises made to Israel were forfeited because of their disobedience. And now this group has them. You know, Israel had their chance and blew it. Many may not wish anything bad upon Israel, but feel since there's no longer Jew or Greek, Israel is really nothing special. And so this is the view of many, and we need to help rehabilitate that viewpoint. Israel is special, and it should mean something very deeply to them. Consider this quote. The church is not Israel. They are two separate entities. Who do you think said that? Was it some rabbi? Was it some guy from the Messianic Jewish world? The church is not Israel. They are two separate entities. You know who said that? John MacArthur. That's a strange thing for John MacArthur to say, isn't it? I was watching a YouTube video from Wretched Radio, and the man, who was a nice reformed man, was interviewing John MacArthur. Um, I have it saved. If you'd like to see it, it is dynamite stuff. And he asked him, is the church Israel? And he was kind of shocked by John MacArthur's answer. 
He said, no, the church is not Israel. They're two separate entities. And he goes on to say that Israel will see the promises made to them. Uh, you see all the promises of the prophets. And they will come to fruition. The guy interviewing him seemed kind of shocked. And I think that's sort of the attitude of, or maybe the viewpoint of many of our Christian brothers and sisters, is they're not against Torah. It's just how to negotiate, or they're not against Israel. It's just how to negotiate um, how this all looks in your head. If God is still going through with his promises for Israel, then Israel suddenly becomes very important to everyone because the story of Israel and the Jewish people are back in the mix theologically, spiritually, and emotionally for us. The land is important because the promises that were made to Abraham make it clear that the land will be theirs, a land much bigger than the borders of Israel are right now. And the people there are important because God tells them, those who bless you will be blessed, those who curse you will be cursed. And God promises him that in you all the families of the earth will be blessed, and it is through Yeshua that all the nations and families of this world will, will be blessed and have that opportunity for resurrection and life in the kingdom. Yeshua is going to return. He's going to resurrect those that place their trust in him. But alongside that, God at the same time will be faithful to his promises made through the prophets to Israel. What exactly does that look like? I don't know. I do agree with John MacArthur on this. There's a lot that I don't agree with him on, but he is a very dedicated man of the Lord. And he says that both the body of Messiah, right, the church and the nation of Israel, they're linked. There is this anticipation of the kingdom. There are still promises made to both that are going to come. Now, I cannot peer into the future and tell you how all this fits. There's always going to be, what about this passage? What about that passage? We can do that game all day long. But the plain reading of the text suggests that there's promises made to Israel and promises made to the body of Messiah. There is a shared destiny here that makes Israel and the plight of the Jewish people very important to all who place their trust and faith in Yeshua. Shared interests, uh, an interest in peace, and living together with all of those around us. Shared hope, right, for healing of this fallen world. And we pray for peace. There will be seasons of peace for sure. But no certain peace is possible until he returns and establishes, establishes his kingdom. May that be soon and in our days. Shabbat shalom.